Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled, I'm Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Too Old to Die Young, Season 1, Episode 1, well, just Episode 1, this, this is the mini, right? This isn't... As far as we know, I don't recall. It doesn't seem like something that is planned to have more than one season. I mean, there's an assumption based on who's involved that it's a limited series, but I don't recall the official statement saying that. But, oh well, okay. episode one. Um, that said, the episode titles themselves have got numbers on them, so I'll just say Too Old to Die Young, Volume 1, The Devil. So that's what we're going to talk about. We'll start spoiler-free, though, because it is a, is a first episode, and we always do that with first episodes. Uh, we'll warn you in the middle before we go to spoilers. But this is the Nicholas Wendig Refn, uh directed series. He's directing all ten episodes of this. It is written um, by Ed Brubaker. Co-written by Co-written. Refn as well. Well, that makes sense because it feels very reffing. So, it does, yeah. so it's reffing and Brubaker writing, him directing. Uh, and I guess the first thing to mention here is that we're both fans of his movies. Yeah, that's that's very relevant. Um, first thing I ever saw by him, probably I imagine a lot of people first saw by him was Drive because it was kind of the the, the more mainstream. I think uh, I one. saw Bronson before I did Drive. Okay. Um, but I I'm probably in the minority on that. I think you. Are. I feel like most people. Who, when I bring up Breath and Drive's the one movie they've seen. Like everything else, yeah. you know, they've not yeah. seen anything else, but they've seen Drive. Um, you know, and I, you know, I've seen Only God Forgives, which I, doesn't get a lot of love on the internet, but I like Only God Forgives. It's, Only God Forgives is probably my least favourite of his, yet I still really like it. Um, Neon Demon, I think, is great. Um, uh, Bronze is pretty good. Valhalla Rising was pretty great. Hell of a, mm. hell of a body of work. I've not even seen his. Uh, his uh, you know, I think it was Pusher. Was the the he did like yes. three Pusher movies back in the day, uh, in his home home country. Haven't haven't seen those, so more to discover. But of all the movies I've seen, really like the stuff. Uh, very hypnotic, very slow pace, very art house, very brooding. Yeah. So the thought of a ten episode show, uh, with that style was pretty appealing. It was pretty tempting. It was like, oh hey, and it reminded me a lot of uh, season three of Twin Peaks in the sense that. I was just excited for, for 18 hours of David Lynch, and much like this, I was excited for 10 hours of Nicholas Wendig Refn. Although, actually looking at the runtime of the episodes, it's probably it's closer to 15 hours, but... <laughs> 12 and a half. Oh, you, you, you counted? <laughs> I did. Which, I mean, we should point out, like, an average 10-episode show gets between 8 and 9 hours, is what it adds up to. Yes. So, to this getting, you know, 12 and a half is a significant chunk uh, extra on top of that. There's a, I think there's four episodes out of the 10 that are over 90 minutes. Yeah, I think one's just under out of the four. It's, like, it? okay. it's like 88 minutes or something like that. But it, yeah. And even all the ones that aren't are all like over an hour. But the exception, of course, of the final episode, which is like 31 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, which yeah, is that's, really weird. that's an epilogue if ever I saw one. <laughs> so that's really weird. Um, and the reason why we look at the runtimes is because we, we haven't scheduled reviews and we're looking at the, the runtimes. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're scheduling for like typically 50 to an hour long things and then, oh shit, this is, a, this is 90, 90 plus. Like t- The episode two is like a, an hour 37. That is exactly as long as the last movie I watched. <laughs> <laughs> but... My eyes lit up when I saw these runtimes because I got more excited. I was like, "Oh, he's not even holding back. This is this is just going to be full on no, slow pace reference." Because it's it's funny you mentioned how you know it felt like Twin Peaks, right? Yeah, I think because okay, you got a director, you know, coming to TV. I mean, in Lynch's case, come back to TV, but it, under different circumstances these days, and it's a case sure. of okay, is it going to be unfiltered that director as it was with you know 
Lynch and Twin Peaks, or is it going to be more like um, what was that show the uh, the old boy director did um, like a year or two ago? Oh, with Michael Shannon and yeah, the spy one, Little Drummer Girl. That sounds right. Yeah, and it was like okay, it's good, but I mean, it's not the same, is it? No, no all right, P didn't like it, <laughs> and I love that director. Right. Exactly, but it, but what I mean is when they come to TV. It doesn't always necessarily translate, not because of their talent or skill, but more just because of what the the network or studio wants. Yeah, um, this is definitely unfiltered reffing. This... Yeah, ninety seconds into this, I, I message you going, "Oh, this is full reffing." Full reffing, and you know, we, we looked at those runtimes together because it because it went up at midnight, and we planned on maybe doing the first episode like late last night and getting it out of the way. Unfortunately, though, we ran a little bit late, so it wasn't going to happen anyway. But that was assuming it was an hour long. <laughs> we saw the runtime of <laughs> the the first episode, and I checked the rest of them and went, "Oh shit, this thing's." This That's is serious. The, this is yeah. These episodes are huge. Some of them. <laughs> so yeah. So we watched the first episode. Uh, this is obviously I don't think we mentioned it yet. But this is Amazon Prime. This is an Amazon Prime original. Uh, this show. Yeah. So all ten episodes are up. We'll be doing them uh, as quickly as we can. Which I think the plan is every other day. Give or take. Yes. As Connor's unprofessional and. It's not. It's like I don't even know why it's going off. This just. There's just making noise. There's nothing there. I don't care why it's going off. <laughs> I don't. It wasn't going off. It shouldn't be going off. There's, it's literally not even giving me notifications. It's just buzzing. I don't care. I don't care why it's going off. I don't care the, the reason or lack of reason. It, it just should behave and just not go off when there's no reason to. And if someone gives you a text? Then it's probably worth me seeing it because it might be important at this time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so, Too Old to Die Young uh, stars Mel's Teller, um, who I don't typically like that much, admittedly, but one of the reasons why I don't typically like him all that much is because he's a really whiny, annoying face. And one of the best things about his character in this is that he has almost no dialogue. He just glares. And And also, he's a terrible person. So yeah. that feeling of wanting to punch Miles Teller in the face kind of works. Yes, he is terrible. Although on the scale of this show, he's actually at the shallow <laughs> end of terrible. <laughs> yeah, but, but he's uh, not your typical hero. No, he's not. He, you know, like I mean, we're getting to it in spoilers, but let's just say some of his choices leave a lot to be desired. Um, but you have all these CD characters. You've got this CD underbelly. It's very grimy. Yeah. It's very grimy. Uh, the style's there. It's very slick. There's the synth score. It's a very unique yeah. synth score as well. Yeah, this this isn't Cliff Martinez as well, is it? Like, I know uh, he's done a lot of his stuff. I'm not sure. You you, you keep making your point. I'll find. I'll find. Okay. Um, because it, it sounds similar. You know, it's stylistically, okay, what I expect from a, a Refn uh, project. Um, but it's a lot harsher than usual. Um, a lot... Uh, a lot harder on the on the synth sounds, uh, you know, they're a lot tighter, and maybe it's just you know you're using some different equipment, or but it it feels like it could be someone different to me. It's not. It's him. Is it okay? Just mm -hmm. some different equipment then. That's cool. Um, now some key main themes that come in, and the, even the opening the the opening scene, we start on these very very long introductory shots, um, 
if I, I, I know even thematically the opening shot is of a mural that's on a wall and it's the desert, but there's a lot of cactus and stuff. And then the camera kind of pans over and we find our, our characters who are just kind of standing there waiting for whatever. And we establish that there's someone else in a car and down the road who's kind of looking at them. And then we come back to our characters and we have a little bit of a conversation. It's very one-sided though, because Miles Teller's not saying shit. Martin, his he's character. kind of grunting along. Yeah, he's, he's just standing there. Um, but just that opening shot, the, the the mural, like very clearly is saying this is the Wild West. It may look like modern day Los Angeles, but this is the Wild West. That's what that, that shot is saying. It's very, very clear uh, immediately. And one of the things I like about Refn, one of the things that I think is true of this show, is every single shot in this 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 episode feels important. And what I mean by that is that you know you watch a lot of movies and TV, you you get used to. And this is not a fault of these you know movies and TV shows that I'm about to kind of talk about that this technique. It's just it's just the way movies and TV are typically done. Is that yeah? You've got shots that that feel like the money shots. They feel like the important shots. But you have a lot of other you know shots in between that just kind of connect it and make it flow like you expect an edited show yeah, and, or movie and to and flow. And that can work in its favor because it makes those those money shots stand out more. Very possibly. Um, arguably, it's more of a technique for like the boring shots, if you if you want to call them that. Which again, the, the it, regular, it, just standard by the numbers shots. And it varies, you know, from depending on who's making what and who, who the filmmaker is, who the cinematographer is, all these different things. But when you talk about when what I'm talking about here is just. just what what was referred to in the industry is coverage. You get coverage of all the actions so that in the edit you can intercut whatever you want between whatever shots to make it work and flow the best in the edit. What this is instead is a very confident style where Refinger on his set knows exactly how he wants to edit this in his mind, basically. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that there's never a change that happens later or he never like flips, flips things around because that's still part of filmmaking, it just happens. But it very much feels like he didn't come in and get like a bunch of close-ups of every little action. He didn't come in and get like a bunch of different shots of everything. It feels like no, he he wanted this scene to be these four shots, and every single shot as a result feels very very intentional, very very composed in a way. Because obviously composition is a big part of you know filmmaking, right? Each shot is composed, and that that's always true, but. When I talk about the, the, the boring interconnected shots just to sort of make up the scene in most entertainment, and again, this is not a slight on those things. That's just something that you feel like you They're have to have. They're just composed to a standard rule of this will work. Yeah, yeah. They're there just because the thing has to be cut. Like, I, you know, I don't imagine that, you know, ex-director is excited about his close-up of the the jar of jam that's coming out the fridge you know like that's not a shot that in the grand scheme of the film or the tv episode they're excited about it's just there because they need to have that shot of that happening and yeah every single shot in this feels like it's saying something like it feels like it's it's what, what it's choosing to, when it's choosing to move or not to move where whatever it's composed that shot however it's it's framing the characters and where they're moving in and out of the shot uh Every single thing feels very specific, and it feels every single shot feels intentionally chosen for an yeah. artistic reason. There, there's like some sometimes it stands out even more than you, you others. You know, there's a there's a point towards the end of the episode where a character is given a speech, and um, she references you know like family members. And on ninety percent of TV or movies, I would expect it to cut to the family member or, you know, whoever they're talking about reacting to being mentioned, you know, because she's looking at them in the crowd. Um, this doesn't, it just stays on her face. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and all these choices add up to something. They all add up to exactly what the director wants you to be thinking about during the scene and leaving some stuff to the imagination and just focusing on the typically very beautiful shot that they've composed that they want to just stay on they, you know they don't want this scene to be a standard cut around all the little things to make that tells the story they want to tell the story with just the one image yeah and have the other parts of the scene happen off camera or sometimes they'll come onto camera because they'll come into the same frame or whatever but they want just like the mural if you will of males terror standing there with the green light hitting them or whatever it is you know that's just my off the top of my head example um and I feel like, compared to other TV shows, you could probably watch this again, count the number of shots in it, and it would probably be about maybe 10% of what a typical, I'll say 90-minute episode of TV would be. Not, not I wouldn't say an hour, because that's not fair. <laughs> you have to compare yeah. it to something of a similar length. I, I would still suspect this had less than a, than a 40-minute episode of most TV. Oh, sure. Well, I said 10%, so yeah, but that yeah. logic, it would be 20% of a 40-minute yeah. thing. Yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, so i guess what i'm trying to say here is, is i really like the direction and the cinematography and how it looks the entire time so so what you're saying is you're a fan of refn <laughs> i guess that's what i'm saying yes yeah yeah i'm sure just something i'd forgotten about refn um mm-hmm. this is this is a a sound thing that you may never have noticed but you you might pick up on now i'm gonna i'm gonna mention it is he hates room noise um, it's fine whenever it's exterior, you can hear background. There's a lot of you know wind or crickets chirping. Uh, I think there's a lot of in this episode. Um, when they're inside, it feels dead. It's why the silence sticks out so much. You know, when there's just, you know, there's no music playing, there's just two characters talking and there's often long pauses between what they're saying. Yeah. I don't know exactly how it does it. It, it feels like there's like foam padding, like sound foam on the walls just out of shot um to deaden everything they're saying um and it gives it this really almost ethereal effect that they're not really there and it gives it you know and it makes uh, it adds to that hypnotic feel even when there's you know when the when the camera's just sitting there there's no music there's nothing else i mean i think it really adds to that i may not have been able to explain it the way you just did but i definitely noticed the sound design is different um and has worked um and i would actually i'd actually maybe argued as one point there is that there is at least one scene in this episode, and I can't for the life remember what, what one it is, so <laughs> it's not going to help my argument. But there's definitely one scene in this episode in, in an interior where there is intentionally, like, an intentionally added room noise that's kind of building up throughout the scene. Yeah. Uh, there is something like that in, in the episode. It's not always dead, but I know what you mean. Um, yeah, it's not always. It's most of the time. I suspect what it is is when they can't pad the the, the set appropriately because of whatever the shot is they're going to do then they have to leave the room noise in and work with it that way um potentially i mean honestly like as someone who's who's shot you know films and stuff like that and you and and had to like do some you know post work on them like you know dealing with like natural noise room noise or exterior noise it was always kind of like, well, here's how you just add some more so it all matches. Because the, the, the jarring part is when it cuts and changes and goes up and down. Oh, the edits. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is why um, I was actually talking to a, a you know a guy who actually is a sound recordist uh, about this uh, after I finished watching it. Because I was like, I wanted to know if it was just me or not. And um, no, it's, so it, those those times where you can hear it in the background, that's because, you know, okay, they couldn't do anything about it. So like you say, you know, they've just added in and, and played with it into the scene. 
for any opportunity where they've got to cut it out, well, no, they've no, gone I, completely dead. I'm just talking about in a general sense. I'm not talking about specifically about this. That's just typically how sound yeah. you deal with it. So to me, the the conscious choice where he just wants to have it completely to be dead when there's not speaking in certain scenes actually sounds like a very technical challenge to me because normally yeah. what you do is you just well you can mask it by having more of it and just sort of make it like a natural part of the sound yeah they're, they're, um, on this instance i would suspect it's uh padded if the room can be if not it's it's likely just adr'd in a dead studio uh, and but that would be my on. guess because there's a lot of wide shot refin likes a lot of wide shots does, to sort yeah. of track in and out so Honestly, I, my guess would be, if I was guessing here, and again, you're the one who's actually got a degree in sound specifically, but my guess would be is that they'll record the sound on the day, obviously, so they can match it later, but the dialogue might just be ADR'd in, in a lot of these scenes. Oh, yeah, probably. But there's yeah. there's at least one shot that I can, uh, one scene I can vividly picture where I can almost see the sound foam on either side of the shot where <laughs> it's like, okay, that's where you've got it. <laughs> uh, I was really getting nerdy watching this. Oh dear. Um so we liked it then. I mean I guess that's pretty ob- obvious from from the, yeah. the conversation yeah. as 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 as, <laughs> as 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 um you know it's it's a very seedy show. None of the characters are particularly likable. Uh but it's a very ethereal sort of dark world that we're in. And yeah. you feel like you're in it, it you know it's it's there's definitely a little bit of Only God Forgives in there. There's maybe a smidge of drive in there. Although I think in Drive Ryan Gosling's character was definitely likeable. a lot more likable and sympathetic even though he had some extremes in his character yeah, yeah. this is a little bit more like they're they're giving like him as a, you know miles tell is the protagonist martin's the protagonist of the show but he's not necessarily likeable, especially because at the start i thought he might be like I, I thought he might be the likable one compared to his partner who we sort of learn very quickly is <laughs> a bit of a scumbag yeah and but over the course of the 90 odd minute episode it it keeps adding th- reasons to why he's not that great <laughs> why does it, you know, <laughs> it really does there's yeah. one big thing in particular that really there is but even aside from that we just learn the way you know some previous actions that him and his partner took yeah and it was like oh okay he was on board with this the whole time this yeah is not what we thought yeah that, this is the this is back to being the wild west like everyone's a scumbag everyone's yeah, it's just yeah. different degrees of scumbaggery. Yeah. Uh, so, so Karen, yeah, characters are not likable, but it's, it's compelling. It's, it's very compelling. Um, and, like, there's, like, maybe one or two innocent characters in the whole thing. Everyone else is just completely awful. Uh, and it's it's about, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a thriller. It's, it's the tense sort of thing where, uh, to give this sort of the, the plot premise without spoilers, it's basically Males Teller's character is kind of wrapped up with uh, a, an organized crime boss who deems that Martin uh, Teller's character owes him a favor. So, you know, it's kind of, to compare it to other things, it's something like Thief or it's something like, even kind of like Drive, where your main character's involved with scumbags and he's now kind of wrapped up and connected to them for, you know, for good. Because if he tries to get out, they're going to hurt people around him and that kind of thing. That's yeah. your, your basic gist of what the show is, at least of what I've, you know, seen so far. So, so far, yeah. Yeah. Um, who there's knows a, what direction it could go in, but... Yeah, there's like 11 more hours of this yet. Yeah. And this is the funny thing, is that, like, yeah, if you just take the core plot of this episode, you could probably tell that story in about 15 minutes. Yeah, if you really wanted to. If you really wanted to, but that's not what this show is. This show is about style. This show is about basking in the moments and feeling the, 
the build-up of, of everything yeah. happening. Do you know what I'm I'm really excited for? We've we've spoke a lot about Ref and, and his stellar direction. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what Brubaker brings to this because Refn's never done a project as long as this, you know, in in that sense, right? You know, his movies are what two hours, two and a half for the most part. This is like I say, it's twelve and a half, and okay, there's got uh, there's clearly some serialized nature to it. I think just judging by the name, the way it's split up and in the episodes, the chapters, the titles. It feels like there's some serialization to it as as a TV show rather than just an extended movie. Sure. And um, I think that's where Brubaker will really come in, and and because that's what you know that's what he excels at is especially that crime story over a serialized uh, format, and give it that that solid through line that will make sure it doesn't kind of you know wander off at any point. I mean, did you feel that this episode is is ending? Obviously, we're not in spoilers yet, so no specifics. But did you feel like the ending closed off an arc that made it feel like the end of an episode, end of a chapter, as opposed to just part one of a ten part movie? Uh, in some ways, I do. Yeah. Well, it's, it's relevant to what yeah, you no, just no, said. I, so no, I, I'm I just do. curious. Um, I, I do think that. Uh, I don't. Maybe you disagree, but uh, I, I think there is at least one clear point where I say. No, that that lines up as as being a, an episode rather than just mm. the opening. Because I have to admit, up, up until maybe the actual final scene, like I don't know if I, if I if it did feel like an episode. It just felt like the first like chunk of a reference movie, and then the final scene kind of made it feel like okay, that's it does kind of feel like it's just set up what the show is. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of it, like because of the pace is so slow, and it's just like it's, again, it's like just scene by scene, kind of drawn us into this world. Um, it just feels like a really long movie <laughs> in a lot of ways. Do you, do you know what is funny though, in t- in regards to you know TV versus movie, there are points where it um it fades, you know, to to cut to the new section, mm-hmm. and it almost feels like oh, that's where your ad break could be on a TV show. Yeah, but it's Amazon, so they don't have yeah, to think not, about that. So you don't have, they, they would never think about that, but it almost feels like that. Yeah, but movies do that sometimes. Sometimes a movie will they, fade they to do. black and go to they the do, new yeah. section. But I mean, it was it was just the way I did it. So so periodically it almost felt like it was emulating that i don't think i don't think that's what's supposed to be that it's just a purely stylistic choice of quite possible um because it it seems like something reform would do rather than just being uh because it's so weird it's like oh that's kind of pretend we've got ad breaks (laughs) and putting some fade to blacks (laughs) would would you really put that past him (laughs) he's done some weird stuff i I don't know if i'd I'd expect that that weird out of him um (laughs) so yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of Refn's movies, this is an easy sell. Just just go watch it. If you've never experienced Refn, this is going to be completely like new territory for you, and I can't really tell you if you're going to like it or not. I would say if you are a fan of David Lynch, not for the, the weirder story elements, because that's not what Refn does, but... No, just the, the direction, the visual storytelling. Is, is, is a little David Lynch at times. If, I, if anything, I would say that this is probably the most David Lynch he's ever been. And there's a couple of key scenes I'm thinking of. I'll just say Stuffed Tiger. That scene yeah. was so Lynch to me. That it really was, yeah. Um, and I, you know, so I would say if you if you like some David Lynch, you might, you know, find yeah. some love and ref- if, if you're here on, you know, listening to us now and you you enjoyed, you know, Twin Peaks, you know, The Return, there's a very good chance you'll enjoy this. Very similar pacing. Yeah. Very similar pacing to that, actually. So, um, even though we were comparing it earlier on because it felt like okay, an, an auteur's coming in and doing like a you know a, a series. 
uh, the actual pacing is actually also very similar. Even even though there is there is definitely differences in direction and def- differences in a lot of things, there is definitely some overlap uh, a little bit in, in yeah. pacing and in, in and just... I think there's a lot of overlap in audience. Probably, I would imagine there is. Um, so mainly just because it means you like art house stuff, <laughs> you like weird stuff. So you you might really get into it. Yeah. Um, if you're someone who liked Drive but he hated Only God Forgives, I don't even know what to recommend. It's... <laughs> I'd say probably not for you, but I mean, basically, watch the first twenty minutes, you'll know. Yeah, watch that. If you if you don't like the opening twenty minutes, you can probably turn it off and just go. Yeah, yeah. But if you're into it. It's uh, it's notable that Amazon is not really pushing this. It's not on the front page. It's not, yeah, it's anything. not on the front page. Yeah, I, which makes me think they want this for the prestige and maybe to get some awards later. But not. Yeah, they're not bothered about people actually watching it. They, they, they know. Okay, people who like Refn will go and watch it. Even uh, else, eh. even Homecoming, which was definitely lower key, got a lot of front page buzz. Probably just because uh, Julia Roberts did it. But then again, Mel's Tell is not exactly a, an unknown guy. He's pretty recognizable to most people. I mean, he's he's a movie guy, right? Like that's the yeah. that's the thing with Julia Roberts as well, and it's the thing with a lot of these streaming service movies now is that or TV shows is that they're actually nabbing like, like who we think of as movie actors. So yeah. it's actually kind of insane. I mean, maybe they're just being slow updating their their interface and stuff to put it on the front and say, hey, yeah. but, but I mean... they've got the bar that says Amazon Originals, and you know, Han is still there for me. Um, you know, Good Omens is there. A couple of other things are there, and. You know, yeah, like I, I just think it's just something that it's been you know up a full twenty four hours now, and I'm just double checking that it hasn't updated. Um, no, I've got all sorts of things that it's recommending, and this is not there. Because I, I went to the second page of the originals, and I think the tick was there, and I'm like, you've already cancelled that. That's getting better advertising than your new show. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, till today. Um, so yeah, we'll go to spoilers then. So so spoilers for episode one for uh, volume one, the devil. Uh, so yeah, let's just go through it. Let's just go through it because I, I don't even know what else to do with this. Uh, so open opening is uh, we're introduced to Martin and Larry. Larry being the partner, uh, Martin being uh, Miles Teller's character. And right away, we we know someone's watching them. Does this great thing where it goes up to the other POV from the other car and. You know, the synth music's playing, it's all very slow, and it pans down the street to get back to the cop car. And they're, you know, they're both police officers, and uh, Larry gets a text, and it's like a photo from, from a girlfriend, which, it's weird that he shows, he's like, hey, Martin, look at this. And it's, you know, it's this, this like, selfie looking over her shoulder in the mirror, and she's, like, butt-ass naked. And, okay, it's weird that he's showing that. It's a little bit, you know, disrespectful, I suppose, but... You don't really think anything of it, and then he's like, "She keeps you know showing up at my wife's place," and I'm like, "Oh, okay, all right, yeah, all right, okay." So <laughs> clearly, it's what's funny is you know, so she they have a phone call in a, in a couple of minutes, and there's a there's a line that you know um, that, that that mentions how you know she's like, oh, I'll bring bring Martin over, we'll all have some fun, which kind of retroactively makes him showing the photo kind of okay because it was almost like she she was almost expecting that. Well, no, because because the, the way I took that is that uh, she, like she was she wasn't they weren't talking about being at her place necessarily or if they were her roommate was going to be or whatever because she because she responds with no don't bring him he's weird right which again mm-hmm. then 
kind of retroactively retroactively makes it weird again in the first place because clearly okay he's he's brought she's met martin she's brought he's brought him along a couple of times to various outings but she doesn't like him (laughs) um but yeah so he goes on this still speech and so you're like okay right so he's an adulterer he's he's very like he goes on and on about how this is bad for his marriage about his wife taking the kids and he's like but i just can't you know i can't resist her i can't resist amanda and that's what he ends with so you get a sense of who his character is to a point and then we get this extended sequence where they do drive off and they pull over this young woman who who ran a red light or at least he claims she did. I mean, honestly, given the content of the scene, it wouldn't surprise me if if he was lying. Because yeah. um, it you know it gets the license registration, she gets out of the car, and as as Martin's running it, he he's like starts asking her questions. Oh, are you out tonight? And she's like, Yeah, with friends. Oh, I bet you had a good time. Yeah, fine, fine looking girl like you. I bet you're fighting them all off. You did, black guys. You know, like he just he keeps saying, it, and it gets more and more uncomfortable. And she's in this position where he's in power because he's a cop. And she's just yeah. like, in. she's like, he's like, what do you want to do? He's like, do you want to hook up? Or and she's like, I just want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go home. And it's a really uncomfortable scene. It's, it definitely sets up one of the main themes of things that we're playing with. There, there was definitely like three or four themes throughout the episode that stuck in my mind is, okay, we're dealing with, with sex um, yeah. and specifically toxic male like points of view of sex, I think, to, to, go, yeah. to go deeper into it. I would say we're dealing with money and greed obviously that one well you say that but i feel like money specifically like comes up again and again in this episode it, it does i'm just saying it's uh it's a common trope in the you know when we've got organized crime being played with oh sure but this is different from organized crime thing this, this is this is full on art house this is it is it is every single theme in this episode that's introduced is reiterated like multiple times to make it very clear what the three or four themes are. Uh, well, they are, yeah. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. Right, um, and then you've also got, um, of course, just the idea of, of of murder and the idea of um, going off the beaten path because because you know he's a they're cops but they're clearly into like dodgy shit as well. They're, they're corrupt cops. Yeah. Um, so you've got these key key themes at play. Uh, and then this one actually has a couple of these themes in here, arguably all three, because it's got them being corrupt. Uh, it's got mm-hmm. like him flirting with this girl, and I say flirting, it's just more harassment. And yeah. then ultimately, when she doesn't want to have sex with him, he demands she give him money, um, and she hands over like four hundred something dollars. And so that this scene, so on this this second scene in the episode, actually conveys all three of these themes uh, on yeah. its own. Uh, and they, they let her run along. But I mean, this thing is on for, a, this is a good five minutes of just standing staring at her with the occasional line of dialogue. Yeah, this is so slow paced, like, you know, in, in that regard. Every footstep, you know, when Martin goes away and comes back, every footstep away and come back, like, it's, you know, it's, it's building the pace of the scene. Reference really good at using the sound effects to really, like, give it a rhythm. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's absolutely meticulous with the, the pacing of that stuff. Yeah. Uh. And of course, the big sort of thing because they set up Larry as this main character almost, and then he's he's killed <laughs> like in the you know in the very next scene, he's taking yeah. a selfie for for Amanda, and this guy comes up behind him and shoots him in the back, uh, and yells uh, for for my mother or something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we actually get one scene of the villain, the, the, the shooter. I'll call him not the villain, but <laughs> I mean he is a villain, but uh, this shooter where he's with his uncle, uncle, yeah, uh, and. 
the nephew here, the shooter, can't speak much Spanish, but the the uncle's like speaking. The, he's got this monologue in Spanish. Monologue in Spanish. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this was actually one of the, the first scene that felt really lynched to me. Okay. Because he was talking about uh, having a. He saw his mother again as a as a cat, and then she yeah. she she transformed back into a human being, but she had wings like an angel. And it's just him telling the story. But the way we just sat here and listened to him tell it made me think of Twin Peaks. Like I was getting Twin mm. Peaksy vibes from this. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it just faced it, it gets to like the whole the whole monologue. It's a good like two or three minutes, and then he's just like, I don't really speak much Spanish. I do have to wonder if there's going to be a redemption story in this. Is that what we're building to? Well, that's a good question. (laughs) Does Martin get to a point where he wants to actually redeem himself for everything that he's done? Yeah. Like, could could you imagine if, like, with Drive, because Drive is very much a story of someone who ultimately wants to be better than what he is. Absolutely. Right? Is is this almost like doing Drive but starting, like, earlier in the story where he's actually just getting into it and he's... You know, full yeah, on. it could be like I say that this is what four times the length of Drive, give or take. More than four. If it's twelve and a half hours long, it's like six how, how times the length. That? Five is only two hours work. long. Yeah, fair enough. I think it was longer. Do you know why I was? Because the, the the last time I watched it, I was crazy ill, right? With okay. the flu, and it felt like it went on even longer than you know. All those long shots seemed to last forever when I had the yeah, I had the flu and I watched it. It felt like more like it was like three hours. So this is kind of the insane and you know, is that Larry getting shot kind of propels everything else. But we find out quite quickly after that that Martin, while Larry seems to have been maybe more at the forefront where he was actually whacking people, including this mother that that you know that, he, that this was the revenge well, for. So it seems. So let's see. I mean, Martin could be lying. Um, I suppose. Yeah. But um, given given that he seems to. Sh- I mean, I suppose he's feeling maybe he could be feeling guilty, and that's why he's struggling to kill someone else later in the episode. But just just given that he's he seems very hesitant and trying to wingle his way out of it. Uh, uh, I mean, I think the given you know, so he talks to the you know the the mob boss and and, uh, and he's like, Damien, hey, you know, Damien, Damien, yeah, and and he says, you know, oh, it was you know Larry's the one that killed her, not me, so I'm fine. And Dave's like, well, that's not what Larry told us. He says you did it, so you know maybe you should watch out. And uh, and then he, he talks about how you weren't meant to kill anyone anyway. You know, you were just supposed to be in and out. It was it's just a job gone wrong. So it makes me wonder whether it wasn't necessarily you know um, you know you, you say oh he didn't want to kill anyone. You know, hesitation at the end there. Maybe he didn't mean to kill her in the first place. Oh it sure, was, yeah. You know, it was a mistake, and now he is feeling guilty, which is why he's lying about it, trying to almost convince himself oh it's larry it was him you know he's dead now so there's no one to to even argue it's fine no okay yeah that's that's fair that's fair that may, may be the case um even this build up to this scene though he's, he's got there's like a waiting room almost they're like an ice rink and like yeah. there's like a waiting room and this other guy like gets seen to first and then he, he's made to crawl out and slap himself from, from the henchman dude and yeah. so so we we have this set up and Martin's told that he's going to have to do something for them to sort of pay off this this nuisance, this this problem that he's caused by having all this go on. Um, because he keeps because obviously the selfie that that Larry took has the photo of the guy who killed him on it, but he keeps that a secret from the police and shows it to to Damien instead. And Damien's like, "You're going to you're going to take care of this guy." And at first they want him to frame him, and if not, then kill him. 
and he takes so long to deal with it and you know because we have a lot of plot with them for a good chunk of the episode and then you know damien and that show back up and say hey you've not done this yet framing's not going to work you only have to kill him here's an unmarked gun you're going to have to do this and that becomes a a scene um in the meantime you know we learn another big part of his character and that is his his love life uh, his girlfriend he picks up uh this this young girl uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm talking 17 here uh, from school and it's yeah. kind of she's there smoking at first he's like hey you shouldn't you know you can't you're not allowed to smoke there yeah and I it's know. it's kind of this passive aggressive thing and she gets in the back seat of the car the cop car like you know without even really being asked and then he says I've only got a couple hours and then you kind of get where it's going from here yeah uh, and again like you know this scene it's very well paced the synth music's playing and we get back to his place, and this is one of the directorial, the directorial touches that I, I really noticed. It's hard not to notice it, is that they end up having this conversation about her telling his her father about their relationship, and how he and he's like, "But you're seventeen. I can get into trouble. You can't just tell your father this. Are you crazy." And he, he ends goes, up, "Why'd you do that?" And she goes, "Well, oh, it's because I wanted to." And he ends up having this big scene talking to her about this. And the entire time, there's an American flag behind his head. And it's, like, perfectly framed around his head. Yeah. Um, and it's, it wasn't subtle, was it? It's not, it's not subtle. It's very blatant. And... It's such a, a sparsely decorated room as well. So the, the flag sticks out, even when it's not the close-up. Oh, yeah. The rest of it's, like, grey and beige. There's, there's like, nothing yeah. else colourful in the room at all. It's just the flag. Um and you know i mean i think there's obviously a very cynical message here about the about the u.s <laughs> as he's giving this speech about dating an underage girl uh with the american flag behind him i, I don't think it, it takes a, a, a genius to to crack the code here about maybe where the country's priorities might lie uh yeah. in the wrong places so yeah so she's like no I've, I've, you're coming over for dinner on friday and i'm and like he's like right okay and i was like why well, just males tell her because this has to be awkward and it's actually i mean i don't know if he's actually 30 but the dad calls him 30 like in the scene and i'm like yeah that sounds about right <laughs> yeah, give or take right <laughs> he's my I age a couple, i could i could believe a couple of years either way but sure about 30 imagine going to your 17 year old's parents house <laughs> for dinner <laughs> Your seventy-year-old boyfriend, the girlfriend, very eccentric. Uh, you know, I said year or two either way. He's thirty-two. There you go. Um, so, we, you know, we have this scene of, of sitting there, and the dad's this very weird character. He's constantly like, kind of like choking and like clearing his throat and like sort of sniffling. Yeah, so this is one of the Baldwins as well. Yeah, he's got a bit of a tick uh, going, and. Yeah, I think I think this is the bold one that was in uh, that terrible Christmas movie, the the Christian like finance one. Oh, the one that you keep telling me about. Yeah, Christmas with a capital C. I think that was the I think that was the bold one. Right, I'm gonna click on him and see. <laughs> is it Christmas with a capital C Baldwin? The best of the Baldwins. Oh, uh, is this like a Christmas trade? Oh no, I want. And then, no. No, oh, that's, that the only, that's the only Christmas that shows up when I search it on his IMDb. How many, Wrong Baldwin. How many Baldwins? God damn it. <laughs> there's, like, there's like four of them, isn't there? There's, there's the four brothers. Too many Baldwins. <laughs> yeah, there too, really is. Too many Baldwins. Uh, 
but he he's this over the top character and he's constantly dropping these very passive aggressive uh comments about you know him being too old and she, she you know and this is uh, uh Janie, the, the the girlfriend's name is she she's constantly like I said you always taught me to make my own choices dad even if you don't like them and be honest about them um it's like uh-huh mm-hmm yes and he's, he's kind of like and i guess this is, this is again where the theme of money comes into it is that the dad's constantly trying to rub his wealth in his face he's like, oh you're just a cop you don't have any other aspirations look at my painting like, this is worth yeah. like you know thousands and thousands even just you know like uh you know martin makes a comment like, hey it's a nice place you got here and he, he kind of tries at first he's like oh you know i just kind of you know got lucky and he's like and, he's like, and he turns it around and he's like, so have you got any real estate mm. and he's like right you know immediately just trying to judge him on it yeah <laughs> i love the idea of someone asking me if i have real estate as if to put me down I'm like of course I don't have real estate what the hell like <laughs> in this economy <laughs> i don't know if you've noticed this but you're the baby boomer and i'm the millennial you had ruined <laughs> everything for us so piss off you prick <laughs> oh anyway um so yeah, and he ends up having this scene alone with the dad, and th- what I think is her bedroom with all stuffed animals. It seems to be, yeah. And there's this weird moment where the dad just picks up this stuffed tiger, puts it in front of his face, and starts going, he makes tiger noises. And what I love is he does this behind Martin's back, and Martin just kind of slowly turns around when he hears this, just very slowly, <laughs> very steady movement, just to see what's going yeah. on behind him. Uh, I love that this progresses throughout the whole, like the remainder of the scene. And uh, you know, Martin sat down opposite him at one point now in the chair, and he's got the tiger on his lap that he's just kind of stroking. Well, no, because uh, the dad hands him the tiger he had originally. The, the, yeah, and he uh, picks up the, the the white one. Yeah, but every so often he's tr- he, he kind of just leaves that tiger like every so often he just strokes it. And then he's like, he's, he's trying to get him to do it as well. He's like, oh, give me, give me, come on. Let's, let's grill at each other. Come on, let's do some growling. Yeah. And again, like, I think thematically this scene again ties into obviously the wealth and the dick measuring, but the idea that again, this is this this like combat, that there's this desperate need to show that you're more worthy. And that'll tie into the gang stuff because, you know, ultimately it's all about being the biggest and the the, the richest and the most powerful and the yeah. idea of power, the thirst of power, tie into the Wild West. And um, naturally, all of the female characters don't really have great roles in this system because it's this flawed, awful system where they're not treated as equals. Yeah. All of this is, I, you know... The so, ending of this scene, though, cracked me up. Because he's like, oh, you know, yeah, have a bat by midnight. And and he's just like, yep, I'll do. And you know, long awkward pause. Like, ah, I'm just kidding. Just make sure you take it to school in the morning. Can you imagine any father saying, "Yeah, you keep my daughter out all night. Just make sure she gets to school in the morning." Can <laughs> no. you imagine? And then he, and then he <laughs> semi dances out of the room. <laughs> yeah, we literally end he's the shot. A, he's he's a in shuffle the... and a click, he's and a... then he turns around. Yeah. No, we literally end the shot with uh, and we end the scene. With a shot of him in the door frame, and he's in silhouette at this point because he's walked into like, the light, and he's got his arms up, kind of like that, and it's just a sort of like silhouette dance and pose. It's, 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 he's, he's turned back to face it, hasn't he, to do mm. that? Uh, yeah, it's just I was in stitches at this point. Funny enough, it actually, um, I hate to keep comparing to Lynch, but there's there's one sort of element of this that kind of makes me think of a Holland Drive a little bit. 
Uh, the idea, this this idea of like coming to LA for fame. Now, obviously, that this show is not about the Hollywood dream. It's not about that. We're not talking no, about anything like that. But it's making me think of that a little bit in the sense that this idea of coming to LA and LA being this pursuit of wealth and power. And it's it's, it's almost like if 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 Mulholland Drive was the 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 female side of the equation where actresses come to LA and it's not just women obviously men do it as well but the idea is the the Hollywood dream is that movie the, the allure of it yeah that this is the the seedier like wild west side of it where the men are trying to like feel powerful because they don't inherently feel powerful by default so they're, they're determined to prove their power and steal it yeah. and so on no, and so on. I, I can see the comparison uh so I feel like we're gonna compare this to Lynch a lot probably Pro- and probably more than we should but like i i think there's nothing i think it's because lynch specifically made the twin peaks season three which is definitely the most unique tv show i've ever goddamn seen and nothing else i can even think of with this i can compare it to like no i mean like we've had some unique tv over the last week you know, homecoming was pretty damn unique no, it was. It was. That, that was trying to be a Brian De Palma movie from the 80s, and it succeeded yeah, very it, it, very well, actually. It was, it was excellent. Um, and then this is, it's closer to Twin Peaks than, than Homecoming, but and it feels less unique because of that, because it there, there's something I can go, oh, it feels sort of like that, but it's still very much its own beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's, where, it's when he's taking Amanda back to his place that uh, uh, Damien's henchman shows up and they have to, he has to go have a chat. Gets roughed up a little bit and he's given the gun and he's told he has to go do this. So we get this, again, this extended, very beautiful pace scene of him. And it's very hypnotic. And a lot of this show is hypnotic, but he's sneaking in, he's got his gun out and he's like sort of creeping down. It's like a... Should, should mention he, he abandons Janie out on the street. Yeah, yeah. Um, She gets mad at him for not really telling her anything. And she's like, I'm waiting for my dad to come and pick me up. And he's like, What are you, a kid? And I'm like, Yes, yeah, she she kind of is actually, uh, Martin. Yeah. Just for the record. Yeah, and and then as she's walking off, she's like, Oh, by the way, you've been screwing me since I was 16. And then, can I, and don't don't follow me. Yeah. So she yeah she's seemingly I mean maybe she does call her dad like around the corner or something like that. But it looks like she's walking home. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Uh, I presume she does call for for, for assistance uh, once she's out of sight. But yeah. Um. But yeah, he goes and he's like sneaking around. It's like, it's like a, you know, kind of auto repair shop. It's you know big. There's a lot of racks and stuff, and he's kind of sneaking yeah. around one of them. And the guy's there he kills actually are sort of naked. He's just sort of like sitting there naked. And the reveal of him being there is again the synth comes in, and we get this sort Faith of this red light. We get this struggling fight scene of like them struggling for the gun as he's trying to kill him, and he does actually eventually win and then shoots him, uh, mm. and that's it. And you know intermittently with all this we've also had him talking to his police captain who has been very nice to him and sort of told him no you need pretty to understanding it's like hey you kind of just saw your, your partner get killed you know yeah you need to be at the memorial service and this is where i'm not actually sure if the family was at the memorial thing because it didn't look like to me it looked like it was just a lot of cops who were around the big table because this was a very weird scene in the sense of the location because it was mm-hmm. like a you know, just imagine the table, you know, uh, with Jesus and the disciples, the Last Supper, right? It's like that sort of table with the big chairs all around it. And the captain's at the end of the table, you know, making this speech about, you know, respecting him and honoring his memory and donating for his family for, for the, uh, you know, the Widow and yeah. Orphans Fund. And I'm like, where are, where are everyone else that would be at a memorial service? It, it, was, it was every time, you know, she said, because, you know, before we've seen the rest of the room, we're just on her face. Yeah. And um, you know, she's still like, she goes, oh, you know, I, you know, I, I got to know Larry over the years. You know, I got to know his family. 
his wife, and she looks over as if she's looking at them. No, there's definitely because there's definitely no kids there. There's absolutely no kids in that 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 scene. Yeah, no, I agree. But it, it absolutely looks like she's it, looking over at them when she once, says that. Once you see a full full thing of them, I think it's I think it's just a cop thing. This is just like all the cops getting together who knew him to have their own kind of private thing. Yeah, it could be. I don't think it's the actual memorial service where all the family and all that's going to. Um. So, yeah, and it ultimately. So the other subplot that we've kind of not talked about that kind of leads to the ending is that uh, Amanda, the the girl that that Larry was seeing, uh, shows up and is like, "Hey, Larry told me what you guys did, and I want his his money, his half, you know, his half of the, the score." And Martin's like, "I don't know what he did with his half. How can I get that? Like, <laughs> I don't have that." Yeah. It's like, "Well, what was it worth to you to keep me quiet? Because I'll tell everyone." I'll, I'll go and... like, are, "Are you trying to blackmail a cop?" And she's like, "Yeah." He's like, God damn it, I'm fine. And she's like, I want 10 grand. And he's like, I, I don't have 10 grand to give you. He's like, seven then. He's like, I can give you two. <laughs> she's like, and she really thinks about it because I'll take it. Yeah. And we know that she's on drugs. We've been seeing her snort cocaine like constantly. So she's clearly just an addict who, yeah. you know, wants her next, wants her next, you know, several scores covered. Um, so he's like, I can't give it to you now because I mean, obviously he's not carrying this on. He's like, I need to go to your bank. <laughs> so he shows up, you know, some other, obviously some of the plots happened. He shows up at her place. Uh, her roommate's just as high as she is. And she's like, all right, okay, give me the money. And she counts it. And she's like, there's only seven, you know, 1700 here. And he's like, yeah, so it's 1750. He's like, well, that's all I can afford. That's what you get. Um, yeah. and, and this is what she says, oh, you're just like Larry, always pretending you're poor. Hmm. Which I thought was interesting. Maybe it contrasts nicely with the, the idea of the power. It's like, I mean, maybe, I mean, you could read into it specifically about how they communicate with women, rather than like a, a over a broad thing, or you could read into it as they don't want to be powerful until they know they can defend it. So they actually kind of downplay how yeah wealthy they are up until a point, kind of thing. Um, because I mean, as as we've seen, she's trying to extort him. She's trying. She's trying. It, to... it does make because I mean, the something the the you know the the police captain says implies they get paid pretty well. Because you know she's like, you know asking them to donate. She goes, "Hey, don't forget, I know how I know how much you can afford. I know I sign your paychecks," which implies they get a reasonable pay, and then you know plus whatever he's making on top of this. But his apartment is basically empty. There's nothing in it. Where what's he use? What's he doing with all his money? Yeah. Up that American flag was an expensive flag. He got it custom made. Oh, I bet, yeah. Weaved with gold fibers. He saved up for it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but and it, as he's he's going to leave, she's like, "Oh, do you want to hook up?" Just out of nowhere, and he's like, "No, he's not like, really." No. So you don't want to have sex with me? And he's like, "No," and he walks out. He does think about it for a second first. Now, I, I don't know if you're mistaken thinking about it with just the natural pause that Refn has in all of his scenes. No, because I felt this one was more on his face. Because there's other ones where absolutely, you know, it's not thinking. This one, it felt like he was actually contemplating whether or not he did, because whether or not he did want to and was just saying no anyway, or if he was just like, no. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, she like she's a very broken character, obviously, and she's very yeah. much collateral just in the, the story because she basically he's called in again at the end by Damien, and we we come into a room and we find that she's actually handcuffed to like a, a pole 
and it's it's like the uh the bar you get in like a, a ballet studio yeah or dance studio you know you get the bar at the, the, the mirror and she's handcuffed to that and she's been beaten up she, she's all bloody there's blood all over the, the window so, she and, looks barely alive and again again it's just the idea where the, the scene is so devoid of color other than the red on the on her face and on the the mirror you know the, the red really sticks out in the yeah, scene and damien's like she ratted you out to the mexicans so now they know or they at least they think you know they know exactly what happened with you and this this you know this mother that you killed and maybe even this guy that we got you to kill after that so as a result um they're going to be looking for you and we're going to look into it but now that you work for me you know implying that this is this wasn't a one-time thing now he's like he's entwined with them and yeah. the thing is here though is that he's like well now now that you know what she's done what do you, what do you want to do about it and they hand him a gun yeah, because at first he asks, oh, what are you going to do with her? And and he's like, oh, well, I've got lots of men who hate women. And, you know, implying, you know, but but he gives him the choice first. It's like, okay, but you you know, you get first dibs, kind of. Yeah, uh, and he should, sir. I mean, we don't see it, but because he's surrounded by all these men, I ha- I'm going to have a hard time believing that he didn't shoot her in that scene. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. given the witnesses, he would have went through with it. And Absolutely. we end we end the episode with him coming outside. Music's kind of ramping up, and he actually texts uh, uh, Janice, just saying, "I miss you," and she sends a photo back. And it's almost like it feels very reminiscent of the opening, doesn't it? With with Larry and, and his girlfriend with the the pictures. Yeah, well, that was kind of my thought in this scene. It was basically that he's kind of become what Larry was when he died. Like he he's at that point now. Like if you want, you know, I I do believe he wasn't quite there yet. Like he wasn't in the same place as Larry at the start mm-hmm. of the episode. But I think by the end of the episode, he's literally taken his job because it, it feels that like Larry was more directly employed with Damien. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and now Larry's can or uh, Martin's taken his place and. I think this at the end though he's not upset about it. I, I think he he's kind of renewed. It, it feels like he, he's, he's feels comfortable. He's killed his second person. It maybe he's even got a taste for it now, and it's made him basically horny. Like it's, it's made him like no, hey, I know I want I want to see you know uh, Jenny yeah. again because you know I, and I, I feel like it's again it's this idea of that his libido his his ego has been filled and he feels like he's getting power. He feels like yeah nothing can stop him now. Uh, a false sense. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would say. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, obviously, it's a very dark series. It's, it's definitely a series where, you know, Janie, even in this episode, they threaten to kill her if he doesn't kill the guy that they want him to, like, halfway through. And it it does... It's definitely... It's definitely a show that does not have... Um, how do I put this? A female character who's not there to serve the plot. And I'm not critiquing it for that necessarily because I think it's very clear what this show is supposed to be. It's supposed to be this dark, seedy thing with all these characters. But I think it's worth pointing out that this is definitely the focus of the show, and it's not like this is not going to get any feminist awards uh, come no, end of the year. No, at least not what we've seen because I know um, Jenna Malone's in there. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I so the, there are characters yet to be introduced. I'm saying that based on episode one. I mean, who knows yeah. what the, the next nine will, will bring me, but. Uh, but based on episode one, like you know, like Janie is is uh, essentially the, the, the uh, she's not quite a damsel yet, but that was kind of how she was used in the sense that she was threatened, right? Yeah. And it's sort of a crutch that the main character is leaning on. And then Amanda is just a complete mess. She's a complete wreck. Who's the you know who's who's oh absolutely yeah. who basically fulfills her life by by manipulating a man to give her what she needs and that is kind of her character um 
so it would be, I, I hope actually I do hope Jenna Malone actually comes in and kind of mixes this up and kind of. I think um, it's possible with someone like her cast. Yeah, uh, which which would be refreshing. But at the same time, the, the show is not trying to make any of these characters feel like they're good people because they're not. They're all awful. They're all terrible. Oh, yeah. they're, they're all terrible. Yeah, um, absolutely. And like I say, uh, Martin becomes more terrible as the episode goes on. I mean, J- Janie, I suppose by default is kind of the the least terrible. I mean, ultimately, all she really is is a is a teenage girl who's making a really dumb choice with her, you know, dating yeah. <laughs> life. Um, her father's pretty terrible. Her, fa- her father is pretty terrible. Um, yeah, he's a weird character. And again, it's this idea that he doesn't. I mean, does he really care about his daughter, or is it just more of like a status thing? Because ultimately, yeah. he's like, ah, just make sure she's in school tomorrow. <laughs> like that's kind of where he ends up. Yeah, um, kind of is. I think the the male characters, their treatment of women, is going to be a big theme in this show, uh, and how. I'm sure it is, yeah, which is why we might get a stronger character, you know, maybe Jenna Malone, to to come in and kind of shine a light on that. I hope we do. I, I hope someone challenges them and shakes things up uh, because even the mother that was killed like the the, the inciting like pre-show incident that sort of is unraveling all this again it was about a woman who was killed um mm. and all the men are fighting over 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 them essentially yeah. so I'll, I'll, i'm curious to see what it, what it says about this and what how it plays with this but i mean definitely power uh I mean, everything's toxic, but it's intentionally toxic. It's, it's like, no, all these characters are toxic in their beliefs and what they need to, to It's not justifying for. any of them. It's not making us sympathize with them. It's, it's no. showing us, no, these are terrible people. No. No, I mean, the, uh, the most likable character on the entire thing is the girl that's pulled over at the start because she's completely innocent and you're you're terrified for her. You're, you're not sympathizing yeah. with the cops. You're terrified about what these cops might do to her. And exactly and and this is like I said, this is the opening of the episode and these are supposed to be our protagonists yeah and the thing about that opening scene as well is that we don't even know how bad they are yet like literally every time larry says something worse it this is like worse, it, yeah. it, it's, it's a new level of what we know he's willing to go to so and what i mean by that is that we don't actually know how far they are going to go like do they rape people like i didn't know if that's the scene was going to end with that no we didn't know um and the fact that I was considering that the, the protagonist police officers were, were maybe going to do that in that scene was a sign of like, okay, we are dealing with absolute awful people. And it has that steady feeling to it the entire time. Definitely, yeah. Uh, so, so, I, if they, so if there is some sort of redemption act to this, if, you know, if, let's say, Martin gets to a point where he becomes more self-aware of his position and the people around him, does he try to be something else? It, does that take the fridging of Janie? To, to, to do that mm, I don't possibly. know but we'll like see. I said this, this feels like it could be drive just earlier in the story like we could but get to episode extent. 6 we get, okay we get to that story now for all we know yeah I'm about to go with the exact same but yeah like no no, no but yeah. you know in that arc is what I meant yeah you know that part of that character's life and we're just too early right now potentially yeah I mean I obviously I mean oh, it's a comparison that I'm happy to make but like if I was going to go deeper into it, I would say that they're not really that similar in the sense that Ryan Gosling's character in Drive, who I'm saying that that way because he's just—I think he's just titled the Driver in the credits, if he I remember. Is, yeah. Um, he like I always got the impression with him that he he for the most part did what he did because he was good at it and that you know he liked to drive like he was yeah. it was kind of his life's calling as opposed to actually being drawn to the city or things and the power absolutely yeah. Uh, whereas here it's like no, I think Martin's getting a taste for feeling more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's why you know, you you ask, oh, does it feel like you know an episode? 
I think when you get to that moment where he chooses to shoot her at the end. Yeah, he's not, he's, not, does. he's not forced to do it. He chooses to do it. Yeah, when he makes that choice and that's kind of the ending of the episode, it's like, okay, no, that does feel like an episode to me. That feels like a natural closing point. And credit to it as well, because I think um, both Larry, I f- it felt like he was being set up as a main character. He was dead within 20 minutes. And then Amanda, I felt like he was being set up to be a character who was reoccurring was dead by the end of the episode like it's done a pretty good job so far of making characters who may or may not be important feel feel real enough yeah that when they're killed it's a surprise because it's unconventional for tv yeah so that's that's neat that's very neat so um yeah there you go that's uh episode one yeah surprise surprise we really liked it <laughs> we've been looking forward to this for a while though, haven't we? we have we have um oozing oozing stale that is my final yeah. thought on it um i'm at a little maybe not enough graphite but i mean that's no but there is plenty of neon plenty of neon not enough graphite but plenty of neon <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, uh, so that was episode one. We'll be back with episode two. Uh, should be day after tomorrow, so look forward to that. Uh, let us know what you thought in the comments below. Like and subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, get us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. If you want to support the channel, you can head over to patreon.com slash TV, where you can support us for as little as $1 per month, and you get bonuses, extras, you get some stuff early. And then one of the things you can do as well at one of the higher tiers, you can actually sponsor one of the TV shows that we do, one of the TV review series we do, um, and you can do all stuff like that. But uh, go have a look and um as far as just uh, promoting some other things that we review right now just in case you're interested and want to go check them out uh we just started doing uh, season three of the handmaid's tale uh that'll be on the same audio feed as this um you can you can check that as well the uh, big little lies which i'm doing with tara so you can go check out those and then if you switch over to the netflix audio review feed uh, which again if you get you get all the links to all these feeds if you if you're having trouble finding them on uh, the Patreon page, patreon.com slash TV is a nice handy list of all of them at the top. Uh, but over on the Netflix feed, uh, starting next week will be Dark Season 2, and then a couple of weeks after that will be Stranger Things Season 3. So, three. yeah. yeah. Um, lot of lots, stuff. lots of content. A lot of TV reviews coming. Uh, so yeah, thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Uh, and we mentioned Twin Peaks a lot in this, so just worth mentioning, we did review the entirety of Twin Peaks. We watched Season 1 and 2 uh, once or twice per week on the lead-up to the new season uh, we watched the movie as well of course and then reviewed the new show or the new season like every week as it was coming out uh, in 2017 so the entire a... twin Peaks saga from episode one all the way up to the end of the return was reviewed and very in-depthly <laughs> we, we, we that went was along a, that was some a of those. damn good year wasn't it that was a great year for our, our discussing a tv show uh so check out that too uh but that's us so thank you once again for watching and listening we always appreciate it keep watching tv guys have you got any vanilla